Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm glad to hear that because I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> this is my, I think, my fourth time being up here. Um, and believe it or not, I feel just as worse this time as I did the first time. Speaking of the first time, July 4th will be my one-year celebration of, of getting to beginning preaching on this, on this stage. So it's, it's been a... It has been an honor, and it is a huge blessing for me to be able to speak to you. Uh, welcome to everyone here in person. Welcome to everybody online. Uh, I had thought about just replaying Jacob's teaching from last week, <laughs> since he did such a good job, but apparently that's frowned upon. And before you say anything, I know that I look incredibly Amish. I get that. Um, if you wonder why I know that, it's because every time I wear this shirt and these suspenders, Mark tells me. This morning he walks up to me and he goes, um, you know, you're married. You have to lose the mustache. Apparently, that's an Amish thing. Didn't know that. So if you see me without a mustache, you know why. Mark made me get rid of it. <laughs> All right. So this morning, uh, I'll be, the title of my sermon for this morning is called Temporal to Eternal. Uh, it is a weird title. I know that uh, my brother-in-law, who's actually changing his daughter in the back right now, helped me pick it out. So if you don't like it, it's his fault. <laughs> but if you love it, it's definitely my fault. Um, hopefully by the end of this, you understand why I'm calling it temporal to eternal. Um, in order to better understand that, the, this word temporal, I'm just going to read the definition here. It's relating to worldly as opposed to spiritual affairs, secular. So my goal for this morning is to explain to you this division between the secular world that we live in and this eternal world that we live in and what we are sowing into as we walk out our Christian walk or what we should be sowing into, per se. Um, the temporal world, as we should know, is passing away each and every day. Um, and we know one day that the Lord will come back and it'll all go away. This is the sinful world, this is the broken world, and one day it'll be all burned away and we'll, we'll all be made officially new, those, are, those of us that are in Christ. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 17, which might be up there. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember which ones I turned in or not. But it says, the world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So we're going to be talking about this idea of sowing into the secular world or sowing into the eternal kingdom. So let's hop into this. We'll be going through a lot of Colossians uh, chapter 3. Uh, we'll start out with the first few verses, and then we'll go from there. So, Colossians chapter 3, hey, look at that, it's nifty. <laughs> I didn't see, the, I don't typically use the TV that much, but I'm trying to, trying to be more like Nathan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who isn't here, by the way, so like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, so we'll, we'll see. All right, so it says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. So let's first talk about this idea of being raised up with Christ. Uh, obviously, in order to be raised with Christ, you must first die with him as well. So it's this, it's this, we should get this picture of this, this baptism, this watery grave that we, our old selves goes into the water and we're raised with Christ. And as those who have been raised with Christ, what does Paul tell us? Set your mind on things above, not on the things on this earth. Interesting. So... Here's another example and uh, another scripture of this idea of old things passing away, new things coming. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If it pops up on there, great. If it doesn't, just listen. Because I, I honestly can't remember what I turned in and what I didn't. I'm, I, I, I'm telling you, I, 
I moved this whole thing around so many times, it's not even funny. But I'm hoping that the, uh, it's, what, it's what the Lord wanted for this, uh, for this teaching. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Again, it's this idea that we've died to ourselves. We have crucified our flesh. We have laid down the old self. And we've been raised with Christ. And those, as those who've been raised with Christ, we're called to set our mind on things above but not, and, and not on the things of the earth. Now, we have to ask ourselves, well, what's the difference? What are, what are we looking at here? Well, let's go, for, let's go further into Colossians 3. We're going to look at verses 5 to 11. And it says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abuse of speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Now, I am a guy that likes lists. I like to be able to look at things and, and like understand them in, in a list format. So I took those, those words that Paul uses um, that he tells us that we should we should put them aside or consider them dead to, to us, and I put them in a nice little list. So let's go through that list again in case we need to know what we're called to not walk into, right? Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Uh, some of these words are interesting, so I figured I'd hop around a few of them and just talk about what they mean for just a moment. Immorality uh, could also be translated to fornication. Impurity, uh, we, pretty clear what impurity means. Passion, I thought passion was an interesting word because I've seen that before as labeled as a sin. And like, when you think about the word passion, you think it, it's good to be passionate about things, right? It's, we should have passion. So I looked into it because I was like, well, this is confusing. And if you don't understand it, then how do you know to, what to consider dead? So it's not so much that passion itself is the sin. The thing that we, that we need to watch out for is that we don't, we don't become slaves to that passion. Passion without self-control quickly becomes an idol and quickly allows you to fall into idolatry. Passion is good. We should be passionate, especially about things of the Lord. But if we're passionate about something, whether it be video games or uh, tennis, another hobby that you enjoy, it's good to be passionate. But it has to be paired with self-control so it does not overtake your, your passion for the Lord, if that makes sense. So now we know. Now, evil desire, obviously, that's the desire to do evil, not too, not too crazy there. Um, greed. Greed is an interesting word. Um, when I say greed, most of you are going to think of money. When we, when we think greed, it's, it's quickly like something that we associate with, oh, they're greedy, they, they keep all their money to themselves, oh, man. It's so much more than that. It can be money. But greed, in its purest form, is this idea of always desiring more, unable to be satisfied. So it's not only desiring more for yourself, but desiring other people's things as well. And it quickly, again, quickly becomes idolatry. 
because you desire having more and desiring more over desiring more of, more of having a relationship with the Lord, if that makes sense. Anger, wrath, malice. Malice is the intention or desire to do evil, um, ill will, slander, foul talk against other people, abusive speech. I'm going to take a kind of a, I don't, I don't know what the word is. I, I, I'm going to take a side path. There's a better word for that, but I don't, I, I'm not sure what it is. Just for a moment to talk about this idea of abusive speech and slander and these things. Because as we know as believers, Jacob did a great job last week. And one of the things that he mentioned was this idea of that we as believers, it's talked about in John chapter 3. Or no, I'm sorry, 13, John 13. Uh, that talks about we should be known by the love that we have for one another. We're not. I hate to break it to you, but we're just not. It's, it's not what the world knows us by. Um, they do not consider Christians loving people, um, unfortunately. A lot of that is how we speak to one another or how we speak about one another. So I'm going to talk about this idea of abusive speech um, a little bit, not much. So James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Of course, we go on in James, and it also tells us the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's an interesting scripture in general, but it's this idea of, and Barney and I were talking about it a little bit about, you know, next week is Father's Day and all of this, and the power of life and death is in the tongue. Imagine you're raising a child, and all you do, and this happens all across America on a regular basis, but all you do is speak words of death to this child. There's no encouragement. There's no... There's no life, there's no love. That child will grow up to be, honestly, very messed up. Yeah, it, they're, they're going to need a lot of therapy because they're, gonna not, they're not going to know that they have any worth. They're, they're not going to know, they're going to have no self-esteem. They're going to struggle all through life because all they've been spoken are things of death. We, with the words that we speak, have the power to determine people's futures. I know that sounds crazy, and this isn't some, like, crazy magical mumbo-jumbo. I'm, li- I'm literally telling you that the words that you speak will change the path that people's go- people go. I've, I've had mentors speak words to me that if they hadn't, I could have gone in an entirely different direction. So it's important that we're intentional about the words that we speak, which is why Paul mentions it here in this, in, in Colossians 3, that we should be putting aside abusive speech. We should be putting aside slander because that's, that's not Jesus. That's not the world that we're called to represent. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 36 actually tells us that, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they still give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. I thought it was interesting. Adam, uh, when he was praying, praying us out of, out of worship, had, had mentioned, he said, don't let these be idle words. I thought it was interesting because that's, one of the things I'm talking about here. We will answer for every, every idle word that we speak. So I was reading this commentary as I, as I was going through this, the William Barclay commentary for Colossians 3. And it gave me three questions to ask myself and all of you as well when we were about to say something to determine if it's something that we should say. Um, and it, it really, if I'm being honest, if you actually incorporate this, you'll have a whole lot less to say which is biblical because we are told to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. But unfortunately, we're off, often very quick to speak, very slow to, slow to listen, and very quick to anger. So he, here's, here's the questions. Don't shoot the messenger. I just read it in a book, and I thought it was good, okay? Is it true? Is the thing that you're about to say true? 
Now, when I say is it true, I don't mean is it kind of true or is it maybe true or Billy Bob Joe down the street told you it was true. No, is it true? Because as Christians, we know that we're not supposed to lie. We're not, we're not supposed to share things that aren't true. So is it true? It's pretty simple, right? It's a good place to start. Is it kind? Is the words that you're speaking, are they kind? Now, I know that sometimes we have to correct our fellow brothers and sisters, and we may not consider that kind. I would say it is because it's loving to, to want to direct somebody in the right direction as long as you're doing it in a loving way because, you know, that's important. But is it kind? And the last one, is it necessary? I'll speak for myself. Many times when, when I speak, um, I don't know that it's always necessary. I think the human condition is that we want to be heard. We want other people know, to know that we have things to say because for some reason we think that what we have to say is the most important. It's not always the case. So is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? If you apply those things before you speak, one, it'll allow you to actually be slow to speak, um, and it'll determine if what you're about to say is something that you're called to. Now, we can hop back up to that list, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, all of these things. These are things of the flesh. These are things of the secular world. That's why we're called to consider them dead because we're no longer supposed to be walking into, in them. If you are walking in, into them, you are sowing in to a kingdom that is temporal. You're sowing into a secular world that is passing away day by day by day. So if that's the case, what are we, what are we called to? What, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 would tell us, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, obviously, we look at that list, immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, those are not the things of the Spirit. Those are not the things that we're called to walk in. We're called to walk in a way to let our lives be worship unto the Lord, a living sacrifice. So let's see what the rest of Colossians says here. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, let's stop there. It's important to me for you to understand these words in the beginning here, chosen of God, holy and beloved. It's important to realize that these words used to only be used to describe God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, the people that they were God's people. And now Paul is using them here, speaking to what would be a majority Gentile church. It truly is proof that there is no division there is no Jew or Greek. There is no barbarian or Scythian. There is no slave or free man. We are all in Christ. Because he uses these words that used to just describe God's people. And now he uses them to describe us. Sounds like we might be God's people. Um, we get to see that we truly have been in, adopted into his family as, as, as it would be put in uh, the book of Ephesians. We are, we are his. We are in him. We have been raised with him. And as those who have been raised in him, what do we do? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And I told you that I like lists, so I made another list. <laughs> let's, look at, let's look at the words that we're called to here. As those that have been raised in Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. These are things that we're called to. Now, it's important to realize that you can look at this list. I promise this. I promise you. You can look at this list and you can open up any of the Gospels and you can look at Jesus' life and you can watch him walk out each and every single one of these. As those who have been raised in Christ, we're called to also live as he did. We've laid down our lives and now we're called to something else. We're called to sow into a kingdom that is eternal. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Hopefully you know it. So are you, and I, I, this is class participation here, are you citizens of the earth or are you citizens of heaven? heaven. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Like, heaven. heaven. Okay, okay, that's, that's what I thought. As people that are citizens of heaven, we're called to live that way. But unfortunately, what we do is we, we live as if we're citizens of this world. Yes, we exist here. We're building a life here, but we're not citizens here. So why do we live like it? Well, it's easy. It's very easy to get distracted by the things of this world. I'm guilty of it. I'm not standing up here, a perfect man, telling you that I've, I've got all this figured out. This, this is just this is as much for me as it is for you. It's easy to get distracted by the things of this world, the worries of this world. It's so easy to, I mean, we're, we all live in America, it's easy to get distracted by this American dream where you want to make as much money as you can and have as big a house as you can and have as many kids as you can and all of these things. I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but they can't be your main focus. Because if they are, if that's your goal in life, if that's your biggest goal in life, to make as much money as you can and have as much as you can, it's going to be very easy for you to get distracted to what you're really called to. We're not called to have these crazy lives and build as much fortune as we can. Um, we're actually called to the opposite. We're not, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, but we're called to sow into the kingdom of heaven. And we should want to, because honestly, everything that we build up here on earth, everything that we sow into in this earth, it's all going to burn away one day. None of it's forever. None of it. I could build, I could live in a $5 million mansion and drive all the nice sports car, not that I can fit into most of them, but <laughs> I can drive the nicest for, uh, for sports cars and none of it will follow me into the kingdom. None of it. None of it. So let me read this next little bit here of Colossians. Um, I'd tell you what verse it was, but I have no idea because I forgot to put it on here. All right. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That last bit there was Colossians 3.17. It used to be on my phone for like two years straight because it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's interesting. I think, I talk about this all the time with the youth, and they're probably tired of hearing it, but I'm not going to stop, so get used to it. Um, 
this idea that our lives should be centered, our hearts should be centered to bring God glory in the things that we're doing. We should have a desire to sow into his, his eternal kingdom. Instead, in our flesh, we want to sow into this world. We, we often do, at least I know that I do. Any moment that we let, we, we, we let ourselves get angry or we, we let ourselves get distracted, all these things, we're sowing into this temporary kingdom. It's important that we realize that we are citizens of heaven and we should be acting as such. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, this is that idea that I spoke about in the beginning, laying yourself down, crucifying your flesh, to be raised with Christ, to follow him. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? This is why it's important that we know where our heart lies. Actually, let me read the next, the next little thing here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19-27 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's important to examine oneself, to see where your heart is at. What kingdom are you sowing into? Are you sowing into the eternal kingdom? Or are you sowing to the one that, that is passing away day by day? Any moment that we have, we, we have the ability to choose what we're going to walk in. And we do that often. And it's not always the right choice. Um, because we, we suck. I mean, that's, we're, 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 not, we're not really good at this thing, but that's why we're not doing it by ourselves. That's why we've been given a Holy Spirit. That's why we've, why we've been given a body. This finger might be broken, but the other fingers can help me grab things. You know what I mean? We, we have other people that can help us. We have a Holy Spirit that can assist us. But if your goal in life is to gain as much as you can, to do as much as you can, it will profit you nothing. None of it can follow you. None of it. So why not sow into the things that are of the kingdom? Why not, not, why not walk, walk in compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, bearing with one another? Why not do those things? Because those are the things that have eternal impacts. Those are things that we will see the impacts for in the kingdom of heaven. But instead, very normally, we choose to walk in a different way. I'm not saying we don't live life or be successful. I am saying that it, our success and in the, in the life that we build on this very much broken planet cannot be the main focus for us. We are citizens of heaven. As such, our, our minds, as Paul would put it, should be on the things above. Our eyes should be seated or should, should be on the one seated at the right hand of the Father Jesus. 
I don't know about you guys, but it's been a long time since I rode a bike. But if you're riding a bike, are you looking in, right in front of you or are you looking at where you're going? Pretty sure it's where you're going, right? Because if, you if you're just looking at the wheel, you're going to crash. It's not, it's not going to be good. I know from experience. <laughs> it took me a long time to learn how to ride a bike. I don't know what age, but it was a long time. <laughs> in the same way as Christians, we will not know where it is that we are going or how to get there if we do not keep our eyes on Jesus. If your heart is to bring him glory, if your heart is to sow into his eternal kingdom, keep your eyes on him. It's okay to have, to have a successful job. It's okay to have a home. It's okay to have kids and raise them up in the way of the Lord. Those things are good, but they can't be the most important thing. Our hearts have to be turned to bring him glory. Now, if you use, your, if you use the things that you have in life to bring him glory, beautiful. That's what we're called to. Whatever you do in order to deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Or you're buying a house, great, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Make sure that that's a place where people can go to be encouraged, to be loved, to be cared for, to be lifted up. Or you're, get, you're getting a job, good. Make sure that you're using that, the money that the Lord's allowed you to make to bring him glory. That you can do it in his name. Because if you're doing something that you can't do in the name of Jesus, you might want to rethink what you're doing. Um, I do that a lot. Um, it's funny, I always think about this, that scripture, like, I always have this idea of, like, what do I want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Because we know he's coming back, right? We know that. So what do we, what, where do we want our hearts to be? Where, what do we want to be doing when he comes back? Do we want to be doing things that don't bring him glory? Do we want to be sowing into a secular kingdom that means absolutely nothing? Of course not. We want him to come back and we, we, we want to be able to go, look, look what we did for you. We want to be welcomed in his arms. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We do not want to be caught red-handed with our hands in the cookie jar going, oh, man, I didn't think you were coming back this quickly. Like, we, don't, we don't want that. We want to come back and be like, I have served you, and I'm serving you now. And, and that's where you want to be when he comes back. So I have these commentaries are, uh, by a guy William, named William Barclay. I was, my brother-in-law, Dylan Cheney, and I were studying for uh, Matthew 17 for youth on Thursday nights. Um, by the way, youth, read Matthew 17 again for next Thursday. And, if, and I, I say again because I know some of you already read it. Read it again. Can't read it too much. But there was this quote in this commentary about real religion. More of this idea of what we are called to. And I don't know. It's quite beautiful, and I want you to hear it. Real religion is to rise from our knees before God to meet other people and the problems of the human situation. Real religion is to draw strength from God in order to give it to others. Real religion involves meeting, this is beautiful. Real religion involves meeting God in the secret place and men and women in the marketplace. Real religion means taking our own needs to God, not that we may have peace and quiet and undisturbed comfort, but that we may be enabled graciously, effectively, and powerfully to meet the needs of others. We are called to so much higher than I think we realize. It's important that we are disciplined and diligent in sowing into this heavenly kingdom, walking in the spirit, bringing glory to the one who gave everything so we could be with him. You know, it's interesting. 
I, when Nathan asked me to preach, I instantly had it. I, I had a, I had the sermon title. I had, ever, I had exactly what I was going to preach on. I was ready to go. And then I sat down and the Lord's like, nope. And I'm glad that he did because um, I'd rather do what he has called me to than do what I think is good. But the thing that I was going to talk about was this idea of, you know, in Philippians 4.13, we see the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's very much misinterpreted and matured at the time um, because we look at that and we go, yeah, I can do anything. Woo! It's not what Paul's saying there. Paul, before that, says that he, he knows what it is to be content in many, having many things and what it means to be content in having nothing. He's talking about being able to be content, having endurance. But how does he do that? He has that endurance because Christ gives him the strength. He keeps his eyes at the one seated at the right hand of the Father. And he receives the strength to keep going on. He's able to continue doing what he's called to because he knows what kingdom he serves. I'll finish up with uh, scripture out of uh, Second Second Corinthians chapter four, sixteen through eighteen. And Mark, this is a scripture that Jacob used last week. So, sorry if you don't know, Mark likes to pick on the deacons and trainings. Um, our la- our last our last um, devotional that we had to do, we were not allowed to use any scripture that any of the other deacons used. So I texted Mark ahead of time and I said, "Sorry, man, probably not going to happen." <laughs> I was joking. And then he came back, find something that people don't typically use. And I was like, no, Mark, please. <laughs> but this is the scripture that Jacob used last week. And I actually didn't even include it in here until him and I were talking about it at youth. And he thought that it would go perfectly here. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I know that it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to hear the things that, we, that, that we're failing in. I urge you to not lose heart. Therefore, do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, it is decaying each day, this world is passing, we're passing. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things which, we, which are not seen are eternal. I urge you to be deliberate about what kingdom you're, you're serving. Be deliberate about the life that you're walking out and, and what you're pouring into. Are you walking out eternal things? Are you walking out temporal things? It's easy to look at this world. You know, we can go outside and we can see the trees. We can feel the dirt. We can, we can experience this temporal world. So it's easy to just serve that. But we serve a God who can't be seen. We walk by faith. We serve a kingdom that we cannot yet fully see. But we know it's there. We know it's true. And we know that we're citizens of it. And we know that we've been called to bring glory to the Lord in everything that we do to serve his kingdom, to build his kingdom. We've, been even, we've even been, been given a commission. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to serve as, his, as citizens of this kingdom. So I urge you to be deliberate about it because this is not something that just happens. You don't just wake up one day and go, woo, I sowed into God's kingdom today. It doesn't happen. 
our, our flesh is so powerful. It, it, it urges us and pushes us to serve the secular world. If you choose, if you have the desire to bring God glory, it has to be intentional. You don't just accidentally bring glory to the Lord. You don't accidentally serve people in the name of Jesus. You don't accidentally do all things in his name. You, you don't do that. That has to be deliberate thing. And, we, and we're called for it to be deliberate thing. We're called to be disciplined. We're called to be diligent. We're called to serve him in everything that we do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that even though we fail, and we fail often, that you love us and that you've sent your son for us. I ask that we have a newfound hunger for you and your kingdom. A newfound energy to serve you and to bring glory to you like, like we never have before. A hunger that says that if there's anything in our lives that does not bring you glory, that, that you give us the strength to do away with it. I ask that you bless this congregation. I ask that you continue to give them the heart to serve one another and serve this community and be a light to this dark, dark world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.